The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Put away your lunches, find your seats, because the bell has rung, and with me, as always, is Professor Caro. Uh, Professor Caro, hi. It's been a while. It's been it's been it's like a little over a month. Uh, so much for doing these monthly, but it's I know okay. we we really slack on that. We got to get better. This is playing these out. I know, but this is perfect. Like it's it's coming out like Halloween week, and we have Halloween stuff to talk about. Yes, it is. It is perfect timing, and and you know. School is in session, but we're not like your crabby, like, 75-year-old English teacher you had that everyone hated. We're more like the cool substitutes that come in, just show up maybe once a month for, you know, for, like, yeah. one class and, and get everyone excited. So that's what we're here to do. Right. As always, format of the show, we cover three periods here. History, which is the making of, science, the mechanics of, and, of course, the free period, which is fun facts and all that other kind of stuff and personal experiences. Tonight's topic, because, as you mentioned, we're getting close to Halloween. It is Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Carol, what is Zombies Ate My Neighbors? It's a fun little game on the Super Nintendo. And uh, I actually played this when I was, um, you know, growing up. Not when it came out, you know. It came out in 1993. Uh, it's a kind of run-and-gun video game. So you just, you, you run and you shoot things as you're going. And you're trying to avoid all the zombies. Bobby for the Super Nintendo and the Sega Mega Drive or the Genesis for ni- in 1993. I never played it on the Genesis, even though I was a Genesis girl. I play on Super Nintendo. Um, so one or two players will take control of the protagonists. Their names are Zeke and Julie. If you're a guy, Zeke, girl, Julie, obviously. In order to rescue their neighbors from monsters that are often seen in horror movies. Pretty much exactly. just, yeah, zombies and, and creepy guys with chains. Yes, I hate those chainsaw guys. They're pain, but I, I, I can't stand them. No, I I too played it on the SNES. Uh, I did it while when growing up as well. Um, I don't remember if I got this as like a launch title game or anything like that, but I do remember having it, owning it, playing it. Right. Uh, back in those days, you know, Nintendo Power and Game Pro were like the only things that had any coverage. That it wasn't the internet, so who knows when games actually came out to be like, hey, I'm here to get it the day it comes out. It's like, right, no, right. You go to Toys R Us and you, you pick the little slips up and you go see the little person in the cage that hands you the game mm-hmm. the way it used to be. Uh, and that's kind of how you you knew when something was out. But I do remember playing it. I remember playing it with my cousins uh, as well uh, quite a lot. So we had a lot of fun with it. But, but let's get into it. So yeah, class and session, let's jump into the science. The basic story plot of the game, as you kind of mentioned here, the overhead game plot centers on a mad scientist by the name of Dr. Tongue, which... Fun fact is likely a reference to the very first zombie, Dr. Tongue, seen in Day of the Dead, back the old school black and white first zombie movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Story goes that Dr. Tongue has created all sorts of different monsters in his spooky underground laboratory, which have been unleashed on the populace. It's up to, as you mentioned, Zeke and Julie to save the day. I didn't know that it was, uh, that was the name of the very first zombie. That's very cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so and when we get into the mechanics of everything, uh, if you are playing as Zeke, uh, who is the guy character, pretty much the, the male avatar, he's got 3D glasses, blonde hair, extremely 90s. Uh, Julie has got 
a red cap and a purple jacket. And I'm pretty sure it's plaid if I remember correctly. I don't I know. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, extremely nineties grunge looking children. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you had to go about 55 different environments, like shopping mall backyards, um, I, just to be fair, guys, I don't really get past the backyards because it's oh. really hard for me. Yeah, oh. no, no. I mean, I've seen other stuff, but I suck at this game. And like it just even replaying it, I still like just could not get very far. Um, haunted castles, beaches, all sorts of crazy scenarios uh, that you're saving your neighbors. You guys are just everywhere. Uh, so you're you're battling monsters. You're collecting keys, uh, weapons to kill them, and uh, pretty much just you have to run and save like ten people per stage, and uh, you just run over them and and collect them pretty much, and then you immediately get an exit door that pops up, uh, allowing you to go to the next level. Yeah, you're, you're totally. You know, the neighbors are kind of everywhere, and you're right. It's kind of a little nerve wracking when you're doing like the hedge maze levels in the backyard. And the hedge maze baby levels walking are the worst. around. Yeah, it's a little baby, and the chainsaw guy's going up to the baby. You're just like, this is horrible. But yeah, we'll get well, more to how that works later because there's, there's a little bit of story there as far as some censorship and what happened there. It'll make you oh. make you feel a little bit better about the babies being attacked by a chainsaw maniac. But the cool thing about Zombies Ate My Neighbors, despite what the title makes you believe, is that Dr. Tongue didn't have exclusively just zombies if you've never played this mm -hmm. game. So it does feature many different zombies, of course, but each level also included all sorts of other monsters. Uh, things like, uh, you know, giant spiders. Uh, we mentioned the chainsaw yeah. guy. Uh, werewolves, vampires, you know, haunted dolls, and even a giant mutant baby boss. Yeah. And the final boss himself was Dr. Tong, who transformed into a giant spider uh, and then a floating head that could literally shoot out tongues out of his mouth. So, yeah, it was a little bit weird. It was basically a hodgepodge of, of different creatures all in one game, much like the, the movie Cabin in the Woods, which featured all different type of horror things in there as well, too. So it's right. very similar to that. Yep. Um, so in terms of uh, how neighbors get killed in this game um they can be killed if any sort of enemy touches them uh that prevents them from being saved for the remainder of the game or until you get an extra bonus victim award um on some levels the day usually turns into a nighttime scene and once the night happens then the tourists are transformed into werewolves and you can't you can't collect them anymore um so it, it kind of counts as like a kill for that that person mm -hmm. um so at least one neighbor has to be safe from each level in order to get on to the next one but i think that, like i said there's 10 per level and the game's lost if the players lose all their lives or if all the neighbors are killed uh scoring points earns the players to players extra neighbors to save and extra lives and each level has at most 10 neighbors each neighbor type is worth a different amount of points i remember cheerleader girl jumping on trampoline is <laughs> no, no no cheerleader girl is not jumping on the trampoline no. but because she's jumping up and down she's like worth a hundred or something because mm. you have to wait for her to you know jump back down yep yeah it was the, it was the little girl who jumps on the trampoline she's kind of painting to right. jump on the trampoline and if you're not in sync you actually miss her yeah so like you yeah. Kind of just go back and forth and you're like uh you know hello i need to right. keep moving on but uh, as you mentioned earlier, there are various items you can pick up along the way, of course. These include the keys that will open up locked doors to get you into houses, which can have you search, you know, cabinets or refrigerators for additional items or weapons. Um, you can get health packs that, of course, restore your health. Uh, potions with varying effects, such as increasing speed or turn you into, like, this purple monster thing that you could punch through mm -hmm. walls with. 
Um, as far as weapons, you have an Uzi water gun, bazookas, which are not water guns, which is ironic that your main weapon is the water pistol, but then right. you can get a literal bazooka. Mm -hmm. uh, soda can grenades, uh, popsicles, tomatoes, silverware, dishes. Uh, you know, of course, you need a crucifix if you're fighting a vampire. And then flamethrowers and fire extinguishers as well. Yeah, flamethrowers are my favorite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And fun facts on the flamethrowers later too as well. Spoiler there. Um, but yeah, each weapon had a different effectiveness against certain types of enemies. So like silverware was super effective against the werewolves because it's right. silver crucifix vampire. <laughs> It all makes sense and ties in together. But yeah, so that's pretty much how the game itself works. Now let's jump in and talk a little bit about the history, the making of the game, and how all that came to be. Okay, next period already. Making of the original game, are we ready? Zombies Ate My Neighbors was originally developed by LucasArts, our favorite. Uh, it was published by Konami, who was already known for their platformers pretty much by 1993. Uh, the music for the game was composed by Joe McDermott game was developed on the Super Nintendo before it was ported to the Genesis, which was about halfway through. And uh, ZAMN, or the ZAM engine, would be later used for Ghoul Patrol, Metal Warriors, and Big Sky Trooper. Uh, the developers wanted to include battery saves in the game, but they could not afford it. Yep, those times were tough back then. You had to use, yeah, so as you progress through the game, you'll actually get, like, completion codes. And, like, hey, if you want to continue entering this code, and you'll pick the, up from that level uh, when you go back in. Now, as we mentioned before, the game, as a lot of games were in the 90s, subject to some censorships when coming overseas. So this game was released before the ESRB existed, so there really wasn't any limitations to what you couldn't couldn't could and could not do mm -hmm. but nintendo back in that day was very uh, strict about their roles and they did not want violence in their video games so nintendo of america actually uh, ordered that all depictions of blood and gore be removed and changed to purple ooze instead Bleh. yeah so they kind of all had the game and, and did their different tweaks to it so censorship committees in much of europe uh censored more by having the game renamed to just zombies as opposed to zombies ate my neighbors i guess that's less gory <laughs> when you think about it mm -hmm. um but also other changes included a replacement of the chainsaw wielding enemies with lumberjacks that had axes instead. I don't think that's much of a difference. I guess it's maybe a little less scary because it's a lumberjack and not, you know, the hockey mask Jason guy with the chainsaw, but that's what they thought. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So the game, like you mentioned, was only on Sega Genesis uh, master drive and uh, super uh, Nintendo. Eventually it was re-released back in October, 2009, um, for the Wii Virtual Console, as did a lot of stuff there. Now, exactly. Now, when the game was originally released, um, it wasn't really a big success at all. It seemed to become a cult classic years afterwards, uh, despite its review scores of above average. Like it wasn't reviewed bad or anything like that. Uh, and game ra game rankings currently has it at eighty four point five percent, which was really high for a game back then. Right. Uh, and many of the highlights for many people was you know it was a two player co op game you could play at the same time, which there wasn't a ton of those, especially in this top down shooter style. Sure. Um, the humor in it was good. It was written you know well. The, the, a lot of jokes and stuff going on there, as you said, the depictions of of like the the neighbors were very stereotypical you had like the dad on the grill you had their cheerleader yeah. you know stuff like that uh the tourists had like the hawaiian shirts and the cameras mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff um the graphics were pretty darn good for uh, snes oh, especially absolutely. i love the pixel art in this game exactly it's really good and it still holds up uh, i streamed some of it you can check it on the youtube and see i uh, did like an hour half hour of it or so uh, mm -hmm. and the music was actually really good in this game yeah, as well too yeah yeah, I mean, it was typical of the 90s where it gets repetitive each stage, and as you play through, you'll, you can actually memorize basically the whole song and how it's going to go, oh, yeah. but it was catchy. It wasn't in a bad way where you're like, oh my god, I can't stand the song again. Just, mm -hmm. it fit. It fit the tone well. Yep. 
Um, speaking of uh, how it was received and, and reviews and stuff, Mike Sabler of Sega16.com says that the variety of weapons shows off the game's, quote, tongue-in-cheek nature by giving you weapons and items like silverware dishes, soda can grenades, weed whacker, keys, bazooka, as well as health packs. Uh, the Armchair Empire has similarly praised the game. Uh, there were variety and strategy that the weapon system incorporated. It's almost kind of like what we have with Splatoon now. Um, ah, very true. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we have soda can grenades yet. No. <laughs> that would be pretty be cool, surprised. Though. Full circle, 90s weapons in a Splatoon game for a 90s style game versus a 90s game with weapons. Anyway, sorry. Um they also made note of little details that make it so cool to play, saying if you come across a door which you don't have the key for, you can blow it open with a bazooka, uh, which is pretty pretty fun, I will have to say. Critics uh, agree that co-op mode is highly recommended, which is pretty big deal. Yeah, like, I mean, I can't remember any games way back in the 90s that we insisted on playing co-op, you know? Yeah, right. Um, it was pretty much just, you know, Two-player mode sucked in comparison. Um, so as we talked about the graphics and stuff, the, the graphics are very colorful and detailed, and they've also been praised as well, uh, as well as the soundtrack, which uh, Sable are called an homage to the spooky, over-the-top music found in old scary flicks, which is pretty pretty. Mm -hmm. um, he went on to mention that the sound effects are equally impressive. Uh, Corby Dillard of NintendoLife.com says that the graphics do not exactly set new 16-bit standards, but they still manage to look sharp, and cre the creative use of the darker color screen used throughout the entire game makes the creepy visuals come to life on the screen. Uh, Dillard also ended his review by calling the game a second-rate horror movie version of Contra, which I guess I can see that, too. Yeah, it, it makes sense, and... I Something that we didn't really mention too, as he said, the sound effects are impressive. This was one of those games that had rare actual, actual voices. Yeah, right. I mean, they're obviously really short. They're like "ow" or "hey" and stuff like that. Um, but you didn't see that a lot in in right. those days. So it was it was pretty cool to see that, and it's something I kind of forgot about till I just read through that myself and saw. Oh yeah, that's right. That there is technically voice acting in this game back. You know, yeah, from that it, day. It was probably like the largest file on there. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, my favorite period. Ready? Ready? Free period. Cheats and fun facts. My favorite. Um, there was a sequel for this game. It was called Ghoul Patrol. Like we mentioned before, the same engine was used. It was released in 1994, but it was not as well received as Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Uh, it was not intended to be released as a sequel, but it was reworked to create uh, an increase in sales because they, I guess, decided that it was selling well and they decided, hey, let's make a sequel. In uh, 1997, LucasArts also released a game for Sony's PlayStation and the Sega Saturn titled Herx Adventures, which I have actually played that game before. Oh, yeah? It's ridiculous. It's it's kind of cartoony and um, just, you know, like, I'll, I'll have to show, I'll have to show you, uh, pictures or something later, but um, oddly enough, that came out the same year as Disney's Hercules, so Oh, it's, it's not at all in the same. It's not the same as Hercules uh, for the Disney movie. Um, but anyway, that uses the same kind of basic gameplay and format mechanics as Zombies Ate My Neighbors. But um, yeah, it's it. I played it on PlayStation. It's really fun. Um, it parodies uh, Greek mythology, which pretty much everything this day does, because it's been done time and time again. Um, 
Day of the Tentacle. Are you paying attention, Japan? Another game developed by LucasArts oh. <laughs> is referenced uh, in Zombies Ate My Neighbors through a secret level. It's true. And so, like, this game has numerous different secret levels. You have to do certain things to unlock, whether it be catch all the neighbors in a certain area, you can unlock the world, or do certain objectives, get a weapon, blow up a certain wall, whatever the case is. But that secret level that references Day of the Tentacle is actually a stage set in LucasArts Studios. Okay, and there so is a character in there that suspiciously looks like George Lucas. Oh, I've never played Day of the Tentacle, and I'm kind of afraid to learn what it's about. Day of the Tentacle is the sequel to Maniac Mansion. Oh, oh, okay. So it's nothing It's nothing weird, Japan, as you're uh, inferring <laughs> prior. But yes, because the tentacles are the monsters in Maniac Mansion. And the sequel is called Day of the Tentacle, which was remastered later on uh, for PS3. I don't know if it ever came to PS4, but it hit three, uh, PS3 and Xbox 360 at least uh, remastered from its original release back in the day. But or something? What was or- that? like a Cthulhu type thing or is it just- no it's literally just a tentacle that has you know the like the octoling suction cups on it and then it has hands and it's just its own character that's terrifying. yeah 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 anyway so as of 2011 last time we really heard anything about zombies eat my neighbors other than the Wii re-release was there was actually a film in development uh, it was being penned and produced by screenwriter John Darko who is known for his work on Insidious mm-hmm. and Archetype um, stories reported to be uh, by unknown writer Mervyn Louie. At the time of the report, they were securing the rights from LucasArts and obtaining a director as well as financing for the film. Now, nothing's been heard of since. However, I could totally see a Shaun of the Dead like movie <sighs> coming out in this vein. Like, right? Like, I could totally yeah. see this working as that type of movie. Obviously, not a serious horror movie because the game's not a serious horror game, but I could totally see it happening and being pretty fun. John Darko is pretty good. So yeah. yeah, I think it would be an interesting take. Um, I'm not exactly sure if I would like it. What can you do with this game though? Like, oh, all of our neighbors are in danger. We got to go collect them. I, essentially, think about it. That's what Shaun of the Dead was. He yeah. was collecting all of his neighbors. I, I mean, you could do you could do literally the same thing, uh, you know, and just change it to two teenage kids rescuing these arch. Like, it would just be like scary movie, or be like a parody of a horror movie. Okay. I think. But mm-hmm. yeah, it, it could work that way. It'd, it'd be fun. Um, yeah. So let's talk a little about our personal impressions and opinions. We both mentioned we played this way back in the day. Um, so your overall thoughts on the series from when you played it. Um, what do you think of it? Your reactions at the time, maybe your reactions now since you revisited it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what you thinking? Um, well, when I played this game, I was not allowed to own it because it was too scary. Um, and... I played it over at friends' houses or cousins' houses. Like I said, this came out. Um, I it came into my view probably about ninety seven, ninety eight around there. Like somebody had it, and I would go over and play it at their house. I honestly don't remember who it was, but um, I asked for it, and I was like, "No, it's zombies. This is this is bad. You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to do it." So it was kind of like a taboo game for me, and. Um, I really enjoyed it. You know, it was, it was colorful and I liked it and it was kind of scary for me at the mm-hmm. time. Uh, just, I always get freaked out by being chased by stuff in, in video games. So any sort of thing where you have to avoid uh, things and not get hit at all is, is kind of uh, anxiety ridden for me. And um, I guess that carries over to today. Um, 
like I said, I did get it for the virtual console when it came out in the Wii. That was one of the several games that I got. And I remember playing it a little bit back then, but it's, God, that's been almost 10 years ago too. And I (laughs) I don't exactly remember. I was just like, oh, I'm getting this for nostalgia's sake because I was never able to own the cart. Um, And then I recently, I played it like a few weeks ago now when we were um, talking about it. And I was like, oh yeah, it's Halloween. I got to start getting playing it. And um, God, I suck at this game. <laughs> I'm not good at it. I think it's because I get so nervous and I'm just like, okay, I got to go over here. I got to go over here. And I just need to, if, if I played it with like, with save states, that would be freaking fantastic. Like if I was able to play it with save state, I would learn from the mistake, reset to the save state and stuff. But because I didn't do it that way, um, I just kept dying. Uh, so yeah, I've never actually beaten the game. I've never gotten to the, I've seen the ending. I've seen like Dr. Tongue and mm-hmm. all the craziness that ensues from that. Um, but I've never actually beaten it myself. Nah, see, I have beaten it. So I played it a lot as a kid with, like I said, my cousins, uh, one was older than me, one was younger than me. And we played through it a lot together. But the ironic thing was, is I can never beat it when playing two player. I always did yeah. much better on my own. Cause the key in this game, at least in my mind is, as much as you want to and the anxiety in you would say, I need to rescue every single person. Mm-hmm. If you just don't, you're better off because all you have to do is save one person and you can that's move true. forward. No, see, um, I'm, like, I'm like, I've got to get everybody. Right. That, and that's, that's, that's the way I do it too. And, yeah. and when I revisited the game too, I, I was doing the same thing. I was like, I need to collect every person. But then as you go through the stages, you're like, okay, if I try and rescue every person, I start doing reckless, stupid things. Right. And that's when I get killed. So it's like, you have to, proceed with caution mm-hmm. uh, and kind of work your way through make sure you're monitoring you know your inventory which is it, sometimes it's hard because you the way you cycle through your weapons and the way you cycle through your items are two different right. button combinations and then using those are two different button combinations you may want to use a health pack and instead you you know shoot off your rocket launcher or vice versa mm-hmm. um so there's a lot of that that can happen there too but I'm, I'm with you it is a hard game but i was able to beat it back in the day uh solo uh, i didn't play it long enough again when revisiting it for the show uh, to really dig in and see if I could beat it again. I'm guessing probably not because I can't seem to be able to beat a lot of these games I could <laughs> back then now. I'm getting too old. Um, Mario's I can still do, but a lot of these other ones are just harder now. I don't know what it is. Right. Um, I think watching a speed run of this would just make me sick. Oh, yeah. Especially if they actually save everybody. If they do like a yeah, like perfect speed run. Speed run. Oh, shoot. That'd be that crazy in this game. Bad. We'll have to look that up now. Yeah. Um, so the future here. Now, could you see... In this day and age where we're seeing tons of retro art style games, could you see a sequel or like a reimagining of this type of game come back? Because I, I personally can't. I could totally see this still working, this formula still working today. Um, mm-hmm. Just update you know, the graphics. Maybe not even update them that much. You can still do it in 16-bit. But, you know, new soundtrack, new levels, new story, new pixels for the, you know, the enemies don't use the same stuff because that would just be lame. But I could totally see them come back and doing something like this, playing this on the Switch. It'd be awesome. Yeah. I mean, like, the fact that we had Thimbleweed Park, which was a revitalization of the point and clicks mm-hmm. from LucasArts, I think that if that group got together and did the exact same thing for this kind of game, that would be amazing. I think that would be great. Just like a spiritual successor. I don't think you need really like Zombies Ate My Neighbors 2. I think no, no, no. Call it something else. Some sort of spiritual successor and you know make up a whole different, but still the run and gun saving type thing. I think that could be done. I'm going to tweet them because I have a couple people that we've kind of made oh, yeah. friends with over from Thimbleweed Park and just be like, hey, 
any chance we can get you guys to think about doing something like this? Because that's a great point. I mean, yeah. they did such an amazing job with Thimbleweed Park and keeping mm -hmm. that same spirit, but just making it better. Um, even, that, yeah, yeah, like they can do it. Be that awesome. kind of um, that kind of pixel work that they did in that game mm -hmm. would just be fine for this kind of thing. Yeah, kind and of they definitely have the humor and stuff for it, so that works. That works. Yeah. But overall, yep, check it out. Zombies Ate My Neighbors, originally on the Super Nintendo Entertainment System and the Sega Genesis. Uh, like I said, you can head over to YouTube and see some uh, gameplay streaming I did just to kind of get a, a idea of what we're talking about if you can't picture it in your head. Or if you've never seen the game before, it's definitely one worth checking out. I think if you're a retro collector, it's I would deem it as a must-have in your collection if you have a Super Nintendo that works. Especially if you have somebody else to play with because even if it's harder in my mind to win that way, I had a whole lot more fun playing with somebody else. Mm -hmm. Uh, for sure. So check it out. Zombies ate my neighbors. Now this time we threw a curveball, Carol, and I told you we were doing two games. Right. Now the second game, when I first mentioned it, you had a blank expression on your face because you're like, "Say what now? The the who's it? What's it? The Spike Mick? Who's it?" Um, it's the game again. I was like, "What's the name of this thing?" So I can download an emulator. Yep. And I had to find you the ROM because you couldn't even locate a ROM for it. Right. Right. Um, not that we endorse pirating, but there's literally no way to play this game because it's that rare. Mm -hmm. um, it is the Twisted Tales of Spike McFang. Now, this game, I I told you, uh, you know, a couple days ago, I think we were talking about this. I had forgotten completely about this game. And going into the last episode of Arcadia, we don't talk about what we're going to pitch for the next episode to each other until that episode. Right. I didn't even have this in my head until I said Zombies Ate My Neighbors. I'm like, there was something else Halloween-themed back then that I loved. <laughs> Looking for it while you... That's so funny. Yeah, So and, and it is this game. So... We're not going to do a full, you know, three classes like we just did with Zombies Eat My Neighbors, but we do want to talk about this game because it was the first time you ever played to it. So we're going to kind of talk more about of our impressions. Right. Uh, I'm going to tell you guys about the game if you're not familiar with it, which I would be shocked if anybody else knew this game because yeah, I, don't, I don't know how I didn't remember it for years, but all of a sudden it came back to me and I'm like, I remember this game. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, it is, uh, as I mentioned, The Twisted Tales of Spike McFang. Uh, the game follows the adventures of a young vampire, uh, title, character, Spike McFang, who is set to battle with the evil zombie general Von Hessler, who attempts to invade his parents and his friend Camilla's kingdoms. Uh, the game is another top-down perspective. Uh, you encounter several enemies in the games, and by defeating them, you can get experience points to increase your level. So it's kind of like an RPG upgrade system. Uh, Spike's main weapons are his cape. Uh, that attacks short range, so think like similar to like a punch and kick, except he uses his cape. Mm -hmm. Um Spike can extend the range of this uh, by dizzying himself as he goes into like a whirlwind mode. Uh, and his hat, which can be thrown like a boomerang, and he wears like this little top hat type thing. Um, he's also able to utilize magical cards in a system with a very variety of special effects, which include invisibility. Uh, you can summon angels and bats to fight with you. You can turn all your foes into little bunny rabbits and stuff. Uh, you can grab a balloon and, and escape to safety. You have element attacks. Yeah. You can power up your partners. You can recover health, of course, there too. So it was a weird mix of an upgrade RPG, top-down action game mm -hmm. with almost a card battling system, which back then there was no games that oh, did that yeah. at all. Yeah. When I saw that there were cards, I was like, what? Like, we can actually, like, but it's it's just pretty much just like an item use thing. Like, you use a card as an elemental attack, and then once mm -hmm. you do that, you, you've exhausted it. So it it's a good idea for you to stock up on all of those kinds of cards. Yeah. Now, and the weird thing is, is, so we talk about the way games change when coming from Japan to the U.S. Now, this game is actually a sequel to a game that was released only in Japan. So it was kind of weird that we got it in the first place at all. Um, now, the American release of this game, um, the enemies have higher defense. And after Spike gains a level, his health doesn't replenish. So in most games, when you level up, they give all you a right. refill of all your stats. Mm-hmm. 
doesn't happen in the U.S. one. So this game was actually harder in the U.S. than it was in Japan, which never really happens. It's a miracle I beat it. Yep. The and, monsters was pretty difficult in places. Totally. And the only other censoring that we see is, you know, Japan can be a little pervy at times. So the shopkeeper uh, was originally a pretty blonde girl. Uh, in the American version, they kind of turned him into a mummy. So Yeah. You know. yeah. yeah. So the... <clears throat> <laughs> the game actually received good reviews. So it's weird that not a lot of people know this game or remember this game at all. So when did it come out? Because I feel like if it came out at the end of the Super Nintendo's lifetime, especially for a localization, that's why. It was 1994 in the U.S. It released in Japan in 93. Really? Nope. I'm if it was like 96, 97, that would make sense. Nope. Huh. Nope. So yeah, it, EGM Magazine, if you remember that, Electronic Gaming Monthly yeah. back in the day. Uh, called it a huge adventure game in the same vein as like Zelda, you know, Link to the Past. It was like that kind of style, just the little characters a little bit bigger, of course. Um, and you, but you can have additional members in your party, which you couldn't do in Zelda. Right. Um, their five reviewers gave the game a 41 out of 50, which is pretty high, um, which basically averages to 8.2 out of 10 on the scale. Uh, mm -hmm. Nintendo Power praised the game for good graphics, entertaining story. Um, game Pro, Game Pro gave the game a negative review, which. If you remember game reviews from back then, GamePro was always the one to score things way lower than everybody else ever did. I don't even remember them, really. Yeah, GamePro used to have oh, this weird scale where they'd break down every game into, like, sound, graphics, fun, controls, and something else. There were five different scores they would give a game, and then combined it would give a number. And it was always something stupid where, like, this game graphics is amazing, but the music is bad. And then the controls are weird. So this is a weird score where I was like, okay, you ended up with like a 60, but you're saying the game was great. It's subjective. So like, exactly. So in yeah, and fun was a a zero, a zero to five on the scale, which is like fun is completely absolutely subjective. Up to that person. So it made yeah, no sense. Yeah. But anyway, I remember this game, like I said, really, really vaguely. Um, and I don't know how it came back to you, but when we were talking, get ready for this episode, I was like this art style, this kind of chibi, very Japanese game. Oh, yeah. like, it's cutesy. Anime style, extremely. Like, it, for the portraits and everything. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was like, this is the perfect game for you, and that's why I encourage you, like, hey, we need to cover this because I really want you to play this game that nobody knows um, and, and experience it. So talk about, I mean, I haven't gone back to play yet. I watched some video. I will play it again before this episode actually drops, so I, I will stream some of okay. so people can see. But tell me about your experience, what you thought about this game overall. Um, if I ever have somebody call me on a cell phone and tell me, Every single time you gained a level, I will pull my hair out because that's what happens in this. That's what happens in this game. So you gain a level, you're fighting a monster. It will interrupt anything you're doing. As soon as you hit that experience point and your, your, your professor or whatever calls you, is like, Hey Spike, just letting you know, you gained a level. It's like, fantastic. Let me continue doing what I'm doing at every single level. Um, that's the only qualm I had with the game. It is very short. Yeah. Um, there's only about four different um, levels, so to speak, uh, or four different areas. Um, there's your castle that you that Spike lives in with his parents. I think you go to the desert after that. Then you go to no, there was somewhere else between then. Anyway, there's an ice level, and then there's a jungle level towards the end. And um, like, there's only maybe four main bosses in the game with some mini bosses sprinkled throughout. 
and it's just you know it's just a cute little game um it took me about maybe four or five hours to beat it so it's not it's not like a big a big thing if you if you're looking to spend an afternoon playing a game you can totally beat this game in that time um i was actually finding myself grinding in a couple of places just because um some of the enemies that i was coming up on were a little bit too difficult uh in certain areas they don't give you quite um a good leap they're like so-and-so is a level seven boss it's like okay great and then you go into the next one it's like so-and-so is a level 11 it's like okay but you haven't given me all these other ones yep. to between. So I had to go back and grind before I would go to the next level. Um, and the humor in this game is hilarious. Yes. Spike is like, a, like he, they're all kids essentially, but they, they're so deadpan. Like I think one of the parts that I just laughed out loud at was, um, Oh my God, I can't remember, but uh, they're like, Spike, I believe in you or whatever. And he just says, me too. (laughs) Like, like, that's something that a kid would say, you know, like, it's just like, me too. Um, But I mean, it's just, just, just hilarious little quips and stuff that I'm glad that I don't know if that was originally in the Japanese or if when they localized it, they're like, let's make this kid a sarcastic little. It could be. Yeah. I mean, and like Cam- uh, Camelia or whatever her name is, the the green haired girl, she's actually very sassy too. Oh um, yeah. There's there's a scene where um, Rudy, the purple haired kid, that's actually von von Hels- what's his Hessler. name? Hessler. Von Hessler's son, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Oh, my dad's been my dad's been uh, uh, taken over by a, some sort of spirit. He would never do this and stuff." Anyway, he's the first one you meet on your journey, and then. Um, Camelia like comes back. She'd gotten sick and you have to like get some water to help her and, and bring her back. And so y'all leave, you leave Rudy behind. Rudy wakes up and he's like, what the heck? And so there's literally like a cutscene where Rudy is chasing the vehicle off into the next area. It's, yep. it's so funny stuff like that. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I really did. Um, it sucks because I kind of wanted this game physical now that I've played it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's not going to happen because uh, if you go on eBay, you'll see why. Um, I will say that I think probably one of my favorite things has got to be, it's got to be an homage is there are these, these monsters called Python bunnies and they're, yep. they're, they're literally bunnies that attack you, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's gotta be an homage to Monty Python. Oh, it is. Girls bunny. Yeah, okay. I, I was I was just making sure because uh there there's I mean there, there's a bunch of cute like you fight little garlic cloves. Like yep. that's it, it's just like vampire versus what what would be bad to a vampire mm-hmm. Super cute though. Um but yeah, I I'll, I'll shut up about it. I've played it all the way through and I think it's great. No, it it really is really. So like to give people some context, like to get a physical copy right now on eBay, you can get a copy brand new, sealed. For seven hundred dollars, Jesus, <laughs> and that's the lowest price for a new one. Yeah. Uh, pre-owned, you're looking at about a hundred dollars uh, to get a, a version of this game. No manual, no box, just the card only kind of deal. And I'm um, I'm a stickler for is that is it authentic, and is the sticker on the the like the label good? Right, so, exactly. Those are the things you want to look for for sure. Yeah, 
but yeah, the game is apparently so hard. If you get a cart at all, regardless of condition, you're like a completist, uh, right. grab it. If you can get a good deal, you walk into a yard sale and find this thing, man, you could flip it for a pretty penny guaranteed. And the graphics um, are great. Like, I mean, it's really good for like really good 16 bit graphics. Yeah, no, it totally, it totally is. Um, so funny thing while you were talking, I was kind of looking up about, um, how game pro, uh, would, uh, rate things. So it was, oh, graf- yeah. it was graphics and sound was one metric. Play okay. control was one metric. So those are okay. I could see how they're semi-subjective, but they can be legitimate, you know. But then challenge was one. How hard is the game? Which that also can be entirely subjective for people. Like okay. Jason destroys these games that I could never get through. I know, right? You know. And then theme and fun. So, yeah. Theme? Fun. Theme and fun. Who cares? Exactly. 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 It's like if you like the game, you like the game. And the theme in some games is not important at all. Like mm-hmm. so that that is what it is. But that's why Game Pro isn't around anymore, boys and girls. Um yep. but yeah, Twisted Tales, Spike and Fang, definitely check it out if you're interested. If you're a gaming historian like we are, uh, at least watch like a playthrough or something on YouTube. Like I said, I'm gonna try and post some of it so you guys can see it. Uh not very common at all, but it is a hidden gem, I will say. I, I enjoyed the game thoroughly. I remember playing it. I don't remember when I got it. I don't remember all that kind of stuff, but I do thoroughly remember the game, like the soup cards. The card mechanic as well hooked me on the game. Made right. it very different from anything else during that that genre, um, period. Um, oh, another thing that I just found hysterical yeah. was that your health is measured by tomato. So, like, <laughs> yes. instead of blood or blood. anything you would think would be a vampire thing, it's tomato juice. So, mm-hmm. like, you have to get tomato juice cards to up your health. Yep, and I couldn't find if it was different in Japan or not. It might have been, and that could have been some censorship. But it doesn't. I don't see anything a lot of the censorship except for what I mentioned in there. So I I'm guessing no. I think it was meant to be kind of tongue in cheek and kind of cutesy. Yeah, yeah. You're but, yeah. A little cloves of garlic, of course. So you're going to be tomato blood. <laughs> that's true. That's fair enough. Um, so yeah, I think that's it. I definitely check it out. Like I said, if you can get your hands on a copy of it, uh, it's definitely worth a playthrough if you're a a 16-bit gaming freak like we are. Uh, definitely check it out. It's a fun time. But that wraps up the, the topics we want to talk about for this evening as far as uh, games here. But before that bell rings, we do need to know about our homework and what we need to prepare for for next class, Caro. It's your turn. So what are we going to talk about? I was teasing you earlier today. Yes. I was like, we're going to do four. We're going to do four. <laughs> Originally, it was going to be three. But then I thought of another one. And I was like, we have to do four. Um, it's football season. I really enjoy football games. I am going to throw this out here right now. Coach Mo, I would love if you would join us for this next Arcadia Academia. Please join us. We are going to talk about and compare some old football classics, including 10-yard fight, which was made for the arcade and the new the Nintendo Entertainment System back in 1983. Tech Mobile arcade nintendo and the game boy in 1987 my personal favorite super high impact football for the arcade and the genesis in 1991 and coach's favorite madden nfl 94 for the genesis and the super nintendo in 1994 so i feel like those are four humongous arcade slash early staples uh, early early console staple football games that we should probably uh, talk about. Totally, Those- I'm I'm down for that. I I remember 
all of these except for su- super high impact football. I don't recall that one at all, so I'm gonna have to look that one up and Arcade see what I can do there. Definitely better than the Genesis version. However, I originally played it on the Genesis. It was my very first football game, so I think I kind of see with rose tinted glasses just because it was my first. And sure, uh, I just I love all that's in it. So um, I can't wait. It's football. All righty. We're not talking soccer, by the way. We're talking American football. America. America. So, so yeah, I think it's kind of safe to say there probably won't be a whole lot of talk around uh, the history of development of these games. But who knows? Yeah. Maybe we'll find some tidbits here. But it's going to be more of a, I guess, a debate and lesson in football throughout the times. I would like to call this PE class um, because we're gonna we're gonna have a competition against each other, and um, we're talking about a sports game. So, or sports games. Fair enough. Fair enough. So that wraps up this episode of Arcadia Academia. As always, we remind you to check out the website at psvg.blog and check out all the different things we do over there. We are part of the Play Some Video Games podcast network and part of the Make Us Better uh, group on patreon.com slash makeusbetter. Kara, where can people find you and what else you do? Twitter, Twitch, and um, that's about it right now. And, uh, of course, on the Discord, I am the Nintendame, if you're looking for me there. I stream daily and also a little bit on the weekends. Uh, unfortunately, I did not get to stream any of this. Um, I, I did play Spike McFang, so I, I just I played it at night when I was done doing my regular streams. Um, but, yeah, uh, I might pop in some football ROMs just to see what the 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 nitty gritty is on the retro side of twitch this time around there you go well you can play you can play tecmo ball that's in that nes online thing that's true too i forgot about that so you get actually we can play each other oh we yeah should do that we should do oh, that yeah. i'm terrible at it i lost in donnie in the first yeah, round of the tournament so i suck at tecmo ball yeah all right cool let's 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 play on that um and of course you can find caroline most weeks except for this last one on yeah. the nintendo oh, shack as well nintendo shack yeah of yep. course so make sure you subscribe to that if you don't subscribe to the psvg master feed uh, and you want to subscribe to that individually feel free to do so. You can find me uh, most weeks as well, hosting the PSVG, the flagship PSVG prime as Donnie calls it now. Uh, And you can follow me on Twitter at PSVG Kevin, but that boys and girls wraps up the day. The final bell has rung and you have been schooled.